Bibles to Acts chapter 8, if you will, Acts chapter number 8. Today I want to look at the subject, Counterfeit Christianity. I hope you don't have that. A lot of it in this nation, a lot of it around the world, Counterfeit Christianity. Acts chapter 8, begin reading there in verse number 9, if you will. The Bible says there in Acts chapter 8, verse number 9, But there was a certain man called Simon, which before time in the same city used sorcery, and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one. You know anybody that believes of that great one? Yeah. A lot of them out there, ain't they? Yeah. To whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And to him they had regard, because that of a long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God, In the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Then Simon himself baptized, or believed alone. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. (coughs) For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then laid they their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. And when Simon saw that through laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money. Now pay attention here. Saying, give me this also this power that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. But Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this thy wickedness, and pray God, if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. For I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. Then answered Simon and said, Pray ye to the Lord for me, that none of these things which ye have spoken come upon me. And they, when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, returned to Jerusalem and preached the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. Let's stand and go to God in a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we're thankful this morning, God, for your word. We're thankful, God, for the Sunday school time that we had, a good singing, Lord. Appreciate everything that you've done. I pray, God, that you'd bless the preaching of your word. I don't know who's listening. I don't know what they need. But I do know, Lord, that uh, you're a God that can meet the needs of every individual here. We pray for those that are listening online, that you'd touch them, meet their needs as well. I want to say this morning that we love you. We thank you, God, for the call to the ministry that you gave me many years ago. And I thank for God that you've been faithful. I haven't been, but you have been faithful all these years. And I'm thankful for that this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm not sure whether I'm choked up about the preaching or the marriage. <laughs> I better watch what I'm saying, Hannah. She's sitting right back there. <laughs> I hear she's a pretty good shot. <laughs> yeah, somehow. Here in Acts chapter 8, the Bible tells us there that Philip the evangelist, performing miracles and souls were being saved. And uh, that's what it's all about, folks. Saving souls. You say, God not doing miracles today? Yes, He is. Amen. There's a song that says, the greatest of all miracles is when my Jesus saved me. Amen. 
Amen. So I, I've seen other miracles down through the years, Brother Reg, but the greatest of all miracles is when Jesus Christ reached down and saved me. Now there's a scriptural principle which follows wherever God sends genuine revival, <coughs> Satan attempts to send counterfeit revival. <coughs> now, we had some men that just finished a tent revival down in Florida and they had a revival down there. He had a number of people saved. But I can assure you that while they were down there preaching the word of God and praying that God would save souls, that Satan also was there attempting to send counterfeit revival. Yeah. We had services in the tabernacle out here just a month or so ago. And uh, people got saved. We had good services, good preaching. Every time we met, we saw things happen for the Lord Jesus Christ. But did you know there was an unseen visitor there Amen. by the name of Satan? And he attempted to send counterfeit revival right out there underneath that tabernacle. And he will try to send a counterfeit religion and revival to you as well today. So think about that as I get into this message. God sows some seed to save souls and Satan sows his tares among that wheat. Let me give an example of that. John the Baptist preached a message that centered on repentance. He said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repentance is a change of mind, which leads to a change of life. If your repentance hasn't changed your life, you didn't have a true repentance. When I got saved, God gave me some new things. First of all, he gave me a new heart. He gave me new desires, Brother Rich. He gave me a desire to come to the house of God. I have a hard time with people that say that they're a Christian, that God saved them, and yet they have no desire to come to the house of God. He also set my feet in a new direction. The idea that you can be genuinely saved and not turn from sin, but continue to plow iniquity is foreign to the word of God. Now, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, the Bible says there, therefore, any man being Christ, he's a new creature. Notice that first verse there. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Notice the old things have passed away. Your old ideas have passed away. Your old life has passed away. Your old desires have passed away. Everything, everything the Bible says, all things are become new. That's what Jesus did for me the day that I got saved. And he'll do for you as well. The Pharisees and Sadducees came to be baptized, but they had not repented of their sins. And there was no evidence that they had been truly converted. And their lifestyle was the same wicked one it had always been. Matthew chapter 3, verse 7 and 8. But said, when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come. And the Bible says there in verse number 8, Bring forth therefore fruits meet for repentance. And so there was no, not a change in these scribes and Pharisees. There was not a change in any of the Sadducees. They were all the very same people that they were, and yet they were going to be baptized. And the Bible says that he's calling them here a bunch of counterfeits, that's where I got the message, counterfeit Christianity. He's calling them a bunch of fakes, a bunch of snakes, and a bunch of pretenders. Yeah. Now, I hope that you're none of those things. I hope you're not a counterfeit here today. I hope you're not a fake. <coughs> I hope that you don't go into the category as a snake or a pretender. But it's a fact, without exception, where there's a real thing, Satan will plant counterfeits and make them look real. Right. I mean, all you got to do is turn on the TV set and turn on... The, uh, some of the preachers on there, I'm not saying all of them, but some of them, and you just listen to them just for about five minutes. Right. If you know your Bible at all, you realize that they're counterfeit. Amen. You realize they're not preaching the true word of God. Right. And I tell you what, I, first of all, I get sick of it, and I, I turn them off real quick. 
As a matter of fact, I can't really tell you anyone on TV that I listen to regularly. Because it seems like they go a little ways, like Brother Pastor said this morning, they'll go a little ways being right, being scriptural, and then off the track they go. So God help me and God help you not to follow them. If the rapture occurs at church time, it matters not how Bible-based the church is. There's going to be some that will be left behind sitting, wondering, and scratching their heads. Will you be the one left behind? Think about that. Will you be the counterfeit that's left behind if Jesus should come this morning? If Jesus should split the eastern sky today, (coughs) would you be left sitting and wondering and scratching your head? In the movie Left Behind, it was the actual pastor of the church that was left behind. Now, (coughs) this is not at all inappropriate. It also happened in the ministry of Paul. False teachers had come in and were leading people astray, saying they had divine authority. Now, what they were saying was they were super apostles. They had more authority than God-ordained apostles had. That's what they were saying. And, of course, that was a bogus claim. They claimed to be true servants of God, but they were imposters. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. The Bible says in verse 13, So set your false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves to the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, the Bible says in verse 14, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Now think about that. The devil himself is transformed to an angel of light. Otherwise, (coughs) these men (coughs) would look like they were telling the truth and preaching the truth and believing the truth. And yet the Bible says they were not. They were imposters. And of course, Paul said there, there were a bunch of counterfeits and fakes and pretenders. For all God has, Satan has a counterfeit. (coughs) The gospel is the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Satan has, first of all, a counterfeit gospel. Galatians chapter 1, verse 6 through 9. Bible says, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ into another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and will pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you that you, that you have received, let him be accursed. Can't get any plainer than that. Right, if they're preaching anything that's not coincide with the Word of God, they're a counterfeit. Also, Satan has a counterfeit righteousness. Romans 10, 3. <coughs> the Bible says, For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness and are submitting themselves unto the righteousness of God. But for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Bible says there, there's a big difference between the righteousness of God and self-righteousness. Amen. I begin to think uh, about uh, uh, two brothers over here. You can walk into their shop and you'll see that they're working on an axle or something. They've got a rag and they've got grease all over that rag. That's the way our, our self-righteousness is. It's filthy. There's nothing right about it, nothing clean about it. But the Bible says there that the difference is the righteousness of God is imputed to you and I, by the Lord Jesus Christ, when we get saved. Satan also has a counterfeit church. Revelation 2 and verse 9 says, I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. I know the blasphemy of them that would say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Well, we know today that a lot of people gather in buildings locally and all over the world today. 
thinking they know the true and the living God and realize not that they bow before Satan himself. If you're here this morning and you are politically, politically correct, you're bowing before Satan. I heard a man say the other day, he said, well, we all serve God. We just call him by different names. It all means the same thing. I thought, you're the biggest fool I ever heard. Allah is not God. Not even close to being God. Muhammad is not a prophet of God. (laughs) He's a a false prophet. (coughs) Satan then has false preachers. 2 Peter 2 and verse number 1. Bible says, but there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who probably shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. Some people do things in the name of Jesus. What they do is contrary to the Word of God. When, when somebody says something to you, or does something, go to God's Word. If it's in God's Word, then it's of God. If it's not in God's word, then it's not of God. Satan is a master counterfeiter. As a matter of fact, the Bible says he'll go as far to even create a counterfeit Christ during the tribulation, which is called the Antichrist. In 1 John chapter 2 and verse 18, the Bible says, Little children, it is the last time, as you have heard that Antichrist shall come. Even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. By the way, some counterfeit preachers soften and alter their message so much that this world they invertly create a counterfeit Jesus of their own. They preach another Jesus, not the literal God-man of the Bible. They preach a Jesus that's more tolerable to sin. Nothing is wrong. Everything's right. If you think it's right, it's right. They don't think anything's wrong. And the Jesus that they preach is tolerable. It looks like he stepped right out of the pop culture and into their church. No one in this room would ever accept Buddha or Muhammad. But I dare say that many regular American churchgoers this very hour accept and follow another Jesus than the one whose precious feet walked this earth over 2,000 years ago. Satan has a counterfeit gospel, counterfeit righteousness, counterfeit church, counterfeit preachers, counterfeit Christ. And along with all of this, Satan has counterfeit Christians. In, verse, in chapter number 8, we see a man there by the name of Simon. A great revival is occurring. Untold numbers being saved. Along comes this man named Simon, a reminder that Satan attends true revival and leaves his business card behind. I'll tell you what, he wants to mess up everybody he can. He wants to mess up your family. He wants to destroy your family. He wants to destroy your children. And if you're not careful, he'll do exactly that. Look at Simon's pretension. Verse number nine, the Bible says there, he was his own best publicist. But there was a certain man called Simon, which before time in the same city used sorcery and be with the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one. Boy, does that sound like some TV preachers you know of? Great one. I'm the great one. Well, they're not the great one. Jesus Christ is the great one. He's the only great one that there is. Simon did indeed work miracles. Two verses earlier, Philip worked miracles, but he was the word of God. And the sorcerer does his miracles by the power of Satan. The Bible strictly forbids having anything to do with sorcery, such as astrology, horoscopes, fortune telling, uh, physics, tarot cards, palm reading, seances, Ouija boards, spirit channeling, divinations, enchantments, incantations, witchcraft, wizardry, charms, spells, or anything else invented by the occult world. As a matter of fact, God goes so far as to call these things an abomination. 
Deuteronomy 18, verses 10 through 12. There shall not be found among you any one thing that make his son or his daughter pass through the fire, or that uses divination, or an observer of times, or an enchanter, or a witch, or a charmer, or a consulter with familiar spirits, or a wizard, or a necromancer. For all those things are an abomination unto the Lord, and because of these abominations, the Lord thy God doth drive them out from before thee. Thou shalt be perfect with the Lord thy God. All of these have their roots in Satanism. All those that I mentioned. And have their roots in Satanism and demonism. Some say you don't understand, Brother Danny. It's real. They really did tell my fortune. Or that board really did move. Or the table really did hover. Listen, I don't doubt it for a minute. The spirit world is real. The spirit world of Satan is as real as my God is real. And surely as I believe in heaven's angels, I believe in the fallen angels of hell. Satan fills and empowers today and in the tribulation, both the Antichrist and the sinister minister of the false prophet will rise to power on a platform of miracles that they work. And people will say they do miracles. People will say they do healings. Therefore, they must be of God. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. First John chapter four and verse one. Bible says, beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits where they are of God. Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. The occult practices ran rampant in the first century and are running rampant today. Here's something to consider when it comes to the occult. Supply is regulated by demand. That's economics 101. Why are four out of five restaurants fast food based? Why can't you get in their driveway at about noon? It's because that's what people want. Demand. Because of high demand today for a heart attack on a bun. Demand creates supply. Why do all hotels today now offer pornography and all convenience stores and grocery stores sell liquor? That's what people want. They want to be able to go into that gas station or that grocery store or whatever and get their liquor, get their gas and food and go home. The only reason Simon could have fallen was because of the sad spiritual state of Samaria. There was a famine in the land. I'm not talking about a famine of food, but a famine of the Word of God. Why can you go across the road over here and walk into that station and you see row after row of Budweiser, beer, and so forth? Because supply and demand. That's what people want. It's It's a picture of the sad state of our spirituality in this nation today. I'm old enough to remember where you could walk in a grocery store. No liquor was found anywhere. You can walk in a Walmart now and they've got row after row. I'm, I'm talking about lane after lane of liquor and wine and all that kind of stuff. Yep. Other stores as well. I just, I just picked them out. Yep. So it's because of supply and demand. Right. The only reason Simon could have that fallen because of the sad spiritual state of Samaria. The famine was not a famine of food, but of the word of God. They, like America today, need a sweeping revival. The thing about it is, praise God, they got one there. They got a sweeping revival. Without the truth, people believe the lie. If the church doesn't stand for something, the people will fall for anything. That's Simon's pretension. He was putting out that he was some great one, and people didn't realize he was energized by Satan himself. Now, notice his profession of faith. Verse number 13. Then Simon himself believed also... And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. Now think with me, 
It says he believed also, but does that mean he got saved? Not necessarily. Did he believe in Christ? Did he believe on Christ? That's the difference. Are we saved by believing? Yes, we are. The day I got saved, about 11 years old boy down south here in a little old country church, I got saved by believing on Christ. Believing on his death, burial, and resurrection. Hey, I didn't, I didn't get saved because I believed in God. I've always believed in God. Look at James 2 and verse number 19. The Bible says, but thou, but thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. That's right. So if you're here today or listening online and you are believing in God, you're not saved. If you're believing on Christ, then you're saved. You must believe on him. The demons of hell believe in God, but not on him. They believe in his existence. They believe in his deity. Mark chapter 3, verse 11. The Bible says, And unclean spirits, when they saw him, fell down before him and cried, saying, Thou art the Son of God. The demons also believe Jesus as the final judge with power to send them to hell. Look at Matthew chapter 8, verse number 29. And behold, they cried out, saying, What are we to do with thee? Jesus, thou Son of God, art thou come hither to torment us before the time? They knew they were going to be cast in hell, but they didn't want to be cast in hell before their time. So don't send us to hell right now, Jesus. The demons believed with their head, but not fully with their heart. Yeah. And not just demons, but the Gospels and Acts both record others like the rich young ruler who believed in Jesus, but was not willing to accept him as his personal Savior. They had the intellect and they had the head, which is dead faith. Yeah. They had the emotion of the heart, which is demonic faith. But they didn't believe upon Christ. Simon believed in his head. Maybe it touched his heart, but he never submitted to the will of God. He was a pretender, a counterfeit. His faith was not based on the word of God, but on the miracles he saw and he was so interested in. He had no intention of following Christ, simply wanted to be able to work miracles. Verses 18 and 19. And when Simon saw that through laying on the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me also this power that on whosoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. It's one thing to walk an aisle. It's another thing to truly be born again. Amen. Now, verse 21 through 23. Let's see what that sounds like. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. So it sounds like to me, there's no evidence of salvation. Repent, therefore, of this, this thy wickedness, and pray God, if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. And verse 24, still no evidence of salvation. Then answered Simon and said, Pray ye to the Lord for me, that none of these things which ye have spoken come upon me. Sound like somebody says, Come to the altar and I'll pray you through. Yeah. That don't work. That's right. That don't work. Sounds good, don't it? Yeah. Had a guy one time, he was a gambler and he was a good gambler. I mean, he, he, he could gamble and win money like you wouldn't believe. He called me at the house one day. I'd had a funeral for his brother, and later I had a funeral for him. He said, Brother Danny, I'll tell you what I'll do. He said, if you'll pray me into heaven, he said, I'll give you half of my winnings. I thought, what ship did this guy fall off of? And I called him a name, and I said, listen, I said, ain't nobody can pray you into heaven. I said, you keep your money. If that's all you're on this earth for is to get your money gambling, you keep it. The church I pastor wants nothing to do with it. And he didn't live a whole lot longer after that either. 
Often I pray for sinners, ask me to pray for them to be saved. But when they get saved, it's when they pray for themselves. When they pray for themselves. This passage shows us just how close someone can come to salvation without being genuinely converted. Simon followed others down the aisle. Reminded me of Camp Joy. I preached there for a number of years. Every night, I'd say, do not follow anybody to the altar. Don't follow anybody. We're not playing follow the leader here. Simon followed others down the aisle, made a profession of faith, was even baptized, but he was never born again. We're not going to meet people sitting in church every, every Sunday. They're baptized, but they've never been born again. Had a lady and her daughter moved from down south to the church where I pastored that pleasant home for a number of years. And I preached on salvation one Sunday morning and she come from a church that had never believed in just being saved like you and I believe in being saved. And so when I got home that afternoon, she called me. She said, the things you've preached today, I've never heard. Uh, I didn't know what to say. I said, well, I said, I just preached the Bible. And she said, well, she said, man, my daughter's thinking hard on this. and We're thinking about accepting Christ as our Savior. But said, we got some questions. And so I answered her questions. And then she asked me the next Sunday morning, she called early and said, could you and your wife, Myra, come down to the church early this morning? I said, yeah. She said, we want to get saved. I said, you can get saved without me, but I said, I'll be glad to come. Amen. And I went down there and they both, both prayed. <coughs> they both prayed and they both received Christ as their personal Savior. Amen. Folks, I tell you what, salvation is real. Yes. There's nothing counterfeit about it. Spurgeon, the prince of preachers, started pastoring at the age of 16. By the time he was 25, he led his church to build a 5,000-seat auditorium that would never be big enough for his crowd. And he preached all over Europe as well. At the same time, there was a great circus builder that was prominent in the area. P.T. Barnum was his name. He heard Spurgeon preach and heard about the great crowds coming out to hear him. He sent Spurgeon to telegram with an offer to, uh, of a large sum of money for Spurgeon to come and preach in his circus tents. And of course, the whole idea was to charge admission for Spurgeon to hear Spurgeon preach. Spurgeon sent a short reply, Dear Mr. Barnum, you'll find my answer in Acts chapter 8 and verse number 20. I'd love to have been there if you read these words. Verse number 20, if you can put it up there. But Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee. Because thou hast thought the gift of God may be purchased with money. When you love to see P.T. Barnum's eyes and his face after you read that scripture, let the money perish with you. That old boy wanted to give me money for praying him into heaven. Stupidest thing I ever heard in my life. Well, it's not because some churches do that all the time. That's right. Catholic church. Heard a story about a man that had passed away and he'd gone to the Catholic church all his life. And the priest went to a couple of the sons and said, well, your dad is in purgatory and he's just about out, but we need a couple thousand dollars to get him on out. And the one boy, he gave him a thousand dollars. He went to the second son. He said, now, just how far out is my dad? 
Said when he's out from his knees up, but from his knees down, he's still in purgatory. And the young man said, well, if I know anything about my dad, he'll crawl out the rest of the way. <laughs> Salvation is real. But the thing about it is, folks, we've got a lot of people that have a counterfeit salvation. That's right. Money cannot buy money can buy a lot of things, but it cannot buy salvation. If you're here today and you need to be saved, I don't care if you had ten billion dollars in your pocket, you couldn't get saved with ten billion dollars. It takes the price of the blood of Jesus Christ, Amen. the beloved Son of God, in order for you to get saved. So think about that. As you stand this morning, let's stand just for a little bit. I'm going to give you a little bit of time to think about what I've said. You may be online today and listening and you've not been saved. Don't put it off. Don't put it off. I apologize for my voice, but I've been coughing constantly for the last two days. But hopefully the Holy Spirit of God will bridge the gap of my voice. But you need, you need to come and, and pray if you need saved today. You pray for yourself. The pastor can pray for you, but that's not going to save you. That's right. Not going to save you. You need to pray for yourself.